Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. 
Find Reese's now at a store near you. Three words. Mobile hunting system. That's what me and uh, the ginger bow hunter who's driving right now, which is why you hear road noise, we're going to talk about today. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing? Doing awesome. And man, listen, if, as gifted as an editor as you are, a producer, you ought to be able to take this road noise out of the equation, sir. Dude, All right. That's a little above my pay grade. Oh, I don't know about that, but no, I'm doing good. Actually, <laughs> just, uh, just heading back right now from uh, the lake, dude. It's been freaking awesome this week. Yeah. So we got, we got, we got a couple things we got to talk about before we get to the topic of this week's episode. But yes, dude, finally on the board. Woo, 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 yeah, woo. yeah, you saved us from utter humiliation for the Chasing Tales oh, Outdoors. Save, hey, save me. You are still Well, dude. yeah, but see, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, we're both in this as a Southern Outdoorsman. So <laughs> I'm going to ride your wave a little bit here. I'm going to ride that, ride that, uh, what, what you got, 31 inches train of a uh, fish? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to claim that I am part of the Southern Outdoorsman, so. Well, you so. know, it's kind of funny is when you go on the leaderboard, it says Jacob Myers, 27th place, Andrew, last. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, anybody who's not a part of that, I haven't registered a fish yet because I've been working too much. It's not my fault. Wait, I haven't had time wait, not, to fish, bro. I was going to say, not a part of what? Not a part of the uh, outdoor, the Chasing Tales Outdoors fishing tournament, Yakking for Bass Challenge. Yeah, so many sir. words, I forget all of them. Dude, I'm not going to lie, I'm digging it now. Ever since I got this Hobie, bro, I am like, oh, bro, mm. so fun. I love it. Typical Jacob Myers fashion. <laughs> you start yep. getting into something and you're like, huh, I'm going to buy the best piece of gear ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the definition of a gear snob. <laughs> <laughs> At least you admit it. But yeah, straight dude. Up, bro. Registered some fish. Hopefully, I'll be able to get out this week. Last week was just not. There wasn't even a chance. Uh, so, I think I worked sixty hours last week. But this week, since now we got our website done and everything, I think that we're gonna be ready to rock, man. Tomorrow, uh, I'm not gonna fish because we gotta we gotta work a little bit tomorrow, and uh, do a hike with a weighted pack. To get ready for Colorado. Oh yeah, dude. I I bought you a sandbag to put in your pack so you can't be. A, Did you really? Yes. Did you really? Yes. Oh. Oh, God. it's time to put your big boy pants on. Start hiking, son. Oh man. <laughs> yes, oh, sir. I, oh, dude, it's gonna suck. <laughs> dude, you know, you know, like Aaron Schneider what? and a lot of those mountain guys who are who are real tough about the mountains. They say that if you just continuously complain like you've been doing, it'll make you mountain tough. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing that reverse psychology on myself right now, dude. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fool myself into getting ready for Colorado. Oh, yeah, dude. Maybe a few complaints more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, this is a little more complaint. It's all good. You know? Oh, yeah, man. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll just make it tougher. Got these sandbags. Uh, tomorrow, Tiffany is going to wrap them up in duct tape so they don't get sand all over our new packs. And uh, we'll be ready to rock. We're going to go hit a trail at our... Local state park, and it's going to be miserable, actually, because it's going to be yeah. hot. Yeah. That's the mm. name of the game, dude. But anyways, 
that uh, brief overview of what's what's been going on. We had a good time at the lake. Uh, didn't really do much. We went up there to get some work done, and then we found out that we did not have the right equipment to get that work done. And uh, so then we wound up just, like, swimming and skiing and fishing and stuff. So it was pretty good. No, no, no. I, well, I didn't really go swimming. I, I attempted a wakeboarding, almost died twice. No, three. I don't know. I lost count. <laughs> so try, try and drown me. It wasn't, you know, it I, wasn't I, Jacob's fault. The board was lacking. The board was lacking, yes. Yeah, board so, is for, so, like, a 14-year-old. Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. Anyways, yeah, so I went from trying to be, trying to wait for it to becoming a, a deep diving crankbait. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, down he went. So, anyways, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> uh, but, dude, I'll, t- I'll tell you what was awesome. So, guys, so Andrew, like always, was fashionably late uh, getting up to the, the lake to get on the houseboat. That's what I And, uh, anyway, so. So, you know, we cut ties and we started, started rocking and rolling and, and I decided to meet them, you know, kind of halfway to where we were trying to go. Well, thing was, can't get the houseboat, you know, close enough to actually get them on the boat. So we had to contract myself and the old Hobie Pro Angler 14 to go pick <laughs> them up. But uh, your eye, look, your, or both of y'all's eyes, you and Tiffany, I said, oh, like, how we get to the boat? I'm like, oh, you're riding on this. You're like, uh, no. Yeah, see, I don't have a problem. I've, I've been canoeing and kayaking my whole life. But when I had a pack with a $2,500 computer in it and a $900 camera around my neck, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to ride in that thing, bud. <laughs> but yeah, I did. And, and, yep, it's a one-man kayak that we put two people in without an issue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I got in it by myself before we like left to go to the boat, because um, me and Tiffany rode over in it, and so you you're like, well, get in it and see how it feels. And I went out there and I tried to flip it over and I couldn't, so I was like, yeah, this will be fine. Yeah, well, I mean, what was your first thoughts? Because at first you look, oh, dude, that doesn't look very like that doesn't look very stable. And then you messed around with it a little bit and it seemed like you liked it. Oh, dude, I loved it. I would totally steal it if that wouldn't make me a terrible person. <laughs> yep. Yep. take yeah, off with it, it. yeah no yeah, well, it's, dude it's nice because the it's so much easier to pedal than uh than to paddle like it, you can move faster and i feel like you have better control and i feel like it's easier to just kind of sneak in on like a weed bed or something you know what i'm saying like you can just mm-hmm. drift in there you don't have to worry about trying to put your paddle up and then you bang the side of the kayak and make some loud mm-hmm. noise and whatever i really like that um i also really like how wide it is because dude getting a deer on that thing will not be an issue at all uh, i agree because I, I was gonna say it won't be an issue whether you want to put it on the front or the back i yeah. mean dude, it's gonna be it'll be fine mm-hmm. but uh dude i am pumped to use that for deer season but also very pumped to try to get some more bass on that bad boy and also hopefully maybe a couple trophy catfish doing a little drifting for catfish but uh Dude, yeah, it was awesome. It was cool getting you on it because, again, you've only really been in really canoes for the most part. I mean, I've never seen you in a kayak. But, yeah, I've kayaked you know. a few times, but, yeah, mostly it's all it's always been canoes. Never had. Yeah, I've never have. owned a kayak. I've used other people's kayaks several times, but mm-hmm. uh, they've always been cheap kayaks. I've never gotten in, like, a high-dollar, like, nice kayak. And um, yeah. you can definitely tell the difference just with how it, it – 
No, first and foremost, how it how stable it is, and then secondly, how it tracks. So, um, do you you know what I'm talking about with tracking? I'm assuming. Oh, of course, dude. Uh, yeah. So, can you explain that to anybody who might? Yeah, not know? yeah. So, anybody that's not into doesn't really kayak or anything, which I'm no expert, but tracking is when you when you're either paddling or pedaling, how well it stays in line with where you're trying to go. Uh, or really trying to go straight. It doesn't drift, especially at the back end, drift left or right. Um, now, I'll say it does not track as well as other kayaks I've been in, like other like sit-on-top kayaks, but I think it's due to the size and also the weight of it. Uh, it's got a really good rudder on there, and they have a, they sell an upgraded package, which is this is a larger rudder, like deeper, uh, which I think would help even more with that. But, dude, it's, I mean, absolutely fantastic deeper fishing. And like you said, I mean, you could absolutely bogey that thing. I mean, you know, you're paddling, and it's like way less energy to me for me to paddle than it is to paddle. Yeah, um, I and like you agree. like you said, it's so much quieter, man. It's awesome. And the cool thing is, so we tested this out, and you know, I've always kind of wanted a Hobie, but I thought it was like way, way, way like like unattainable for me because price point. But I got, I mean, I got this one for literally like almost less, than, pretty much less than half off on a brand new one. It, I mean, it's like 65% off from like what a brand new one costs. Yeah. And, uh, got to look for dude, those deals, you, man. I know. And how to travel. You mean how to travel for that son of a gun, dude. Yeah. Freaking 500 miles it. round trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, the one thing I was kind of worried about, so it uses a pedal drive system, what they call, um, uh, Mirage, their Mirage drive, which, uh, just came off patent, I think like last year. But it uses these fins, and they they kind of they I mean they act like flippers, and they freaking like they kind of go across each other to give you propulsion. It gives a ton of torque to be able to kind of just get up and go. But I was worried that it would not do good in the weeds, and turns out, dude, the underwater grasses and everything it does fantastic, and not an issue at all. It doesn't get caught up and entangled like a lot of the uh, the prop uh, pedal drives. A lot of the other pedal drive kayaks use like an actual like prop. And uh, they're notoriously horrible for, like, underwater grasses and everything, getting, like, twisted up in them. Yeah. And uh, never was an issue. Dude, freaking wore out some bass at top water tonight on, uh, on the, in, in the grass. So yeah. it was freaking sweet. But the problem is, well, the only downside, which is it's a downside depending on how you look at it, it is not the old, like, an ultra-mobile kayak to the point where, like, you can, like, I wouldn't want to drag this thing in, like, a mile to go, like, go put in a little waterway to extra deer or fish because oh, yeah. it weighs like a, i think it's 145 pounds with yeah it's or no joke i'm not sure yeah it's no joke yeah no but the good thing is well, i was gonna say i was out in like the mid like in the middle of lake gunnersville dude with a lot of chop and like it rides extremely smooth because it's so it's so you know deep and then also wide and with the weight i mean it, to me it reminds me very much of like when, when you're just in a regular kayak it feels like you're in like a flat bottom boat where you're just freaking bouncing around and moving all over the place mm-hmm. we're like this is like more like a like a heavier center console where it's just, it's deeper in the body or uh, you know it sits deeper uh the draft's deeper and it's got more weight to it dude it just like slices through all the water especially yeah. like this when you're sitting there yeah yeah so. i agree with that one thing that was aggravating is that the day that i was there it was windy and man i got blown around on that joker bad when i was trying to go fishing uh well I was gonna say, well, what's funny is, so you feel like it's bad, but then like if you get like a really lightweight kayak and you see really how fast you'll get blown in the wind. To me, it does not bl- get blown around nearly as bad. Plus, one thing I learned, like I did it today, is like if you if you, you can fish into the wind, 
you can literally, I mean, barely move the freaking pedals, dude. I'm talking like, you know, three, like two and a half, three inches max. Just kind of like feather it, and literally it'll hold you there. And then you can stop pedaling for a little while, fish, and then feather a little bit, and just kind of hold your position. I mean, even in high winds, I mean, I was out on the shoal, dude, and uh, I mean, it all, you know, waves are rolling, and uh, didn't have a whole bunch of issues with it. But, anyways, but yeah, it's it's interesting to say the least. I freaking love that thing. And it's like a little mini bass boat again for a kayak. It's, it's awesome. So yeah. Anyways, yeah, dude, gear gear, gear snob. It's been cool, man. Uh, that thing will be really interesting to use in hunting season, especially with some of the places that me and you are going to go check out because they're going to involve oh. boats and possibly towing your kayak and then and then tying up a John boat and then taking the kayak in farther. So yep. hopefully, 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 hopefully. But anyways, uh, so that brings us, that's a good little segue to talk about hunting. Um, so the main episode, the main part of this episode is going to be about mobile hunting setups, uh, meaning like tree saddles, climbers, lock-ons, just, uh, getting your mobile game up so you can jump around on your lease or leases or your hunting club, or if you're like us, public land. So, uh, yeah, we're going to basically go over what our thoughts are for the ultimate lightweight setup. And we... I think you'll get a good idea of kind of, I don't know. Two, I, I'm going to probably say two different viewpoints because I know that me and you, Jacob, have like a slightly different views on like what a good mobile setup is. Like just yeah. I, I typically think about it differently than you do. So hopefully it'll be a pretty good, a pretty good topic. So, but first to kind of preface it, how long have you been kind of run and gun hunting? Mr. Uh, Run and Gun Whitetail Hunters team page. Jacob's the founder of that page, by the way, if anybody didn't know. Yeah, I, I, I think this will be the sixth year. Yeah, this will be the sixth season uh, this coming year, which has been awesome. And again, you know, this is kind of, you know, the three ways, or, or you know, the, what do we name this episode? Three ways, so the ultimate hunting, ultimate lightweight Some, setup. Something like that. Anyways, but uh, yeah, so, you know, after, you know, those roughly six seasons or so, or really five seasons, five complete seasons of uh, doing this, I've definitely seen the whole atmosphere of pretty much every mobile setup, and that's what we're going to talk about today, and why maybe some or one way might be more beneficial for someone, especially maybe new starting out compared to others, again, kind of figure out what makes sense for you, and also where do you live, because some of this gear probably won't work for some people like in the midwest or stuff like that yeah uh just just depending on where you're hunting so that's one thing that you really got to look at with some of this uh equipment is you know where do you hunt you know are you in the southeast are you in the midwest are you in the northeast um you know what kind of trees are you normally hunting in what's the situation normally like and again kind of stuff we'll talk about today will kind of again preference preference the way maybe you should try hunting if you're not already doing this yeah or if you are doing it maybe you'll see something that we talk about like hey maybe i need to try this out see how it works so yeah yeah so i've been i think i've been mobile hunting for about as long as you have uh pretty much as long as i've been hunting public land because once i got kind of quote unquote thrown out onto my own for just like only being able to hunt public land uh i kind of bounced around a lot tried a lot of different things and fun fact i actually killed my very first public land deer at like seven yards on the ground um, so that was pretty cool, but yeah, I've done, I've done a little bit of everything, dude. I've killed them on the ground without a blind, which was that first public land deer I killed. Uh, I've killed them out of climbers, killed them out of saddles, killed them all, all kind of stuff. So, 
Anyways, um, the first subject we're going to talk about, which I'm going to throw this question at you, and then you throw it right back at me, and I guess that's how we're going to do this. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be about the stand-slash-saddle setup. So why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what you've used in the past and how you're kind of – how uh, how what you've been doing over the last six years has shaped what you're using now. And I'll interrupt periodically to ask more questions. Yeah, perfect. So I, I definitely feel like I have a very well-rounded view on mobile hunting. Uh, like most people, especially in the southeast, I started out using a uh, older Summit Climber, uh, which uh, they don't even make this model anymore. But it's a it's similar to the Open Shot for anyone who's uh, familiar with the Summit Climbers, where there's not really a rail right in front of the seat, but it's actually dropped down where it's like a sit bar. It's also like a uh, footrest. So I hunted out of that for a few years. It was given to me by one of my uncles. Uh, killed my first public land deer out of it. It was a little buck. Uh, actually, you and me were kind of hunting. You, me, and my brother, I think we were all hunting that one piece of uh, a public. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was the first public land buck I've ever killed. Uh, also, I think it's the first buck, the first deer I've ever killed my bow as well. Um, so anyways, you know, got a little experience, again, hunting out climbers. And anyone that's in the southeast uh, or really even on the east coast is pretty familiar using climbers. It's probably the most basic entry-level way to get into mobile hunting yeah uh then from there i transitioned after learning uh people using a lock-on like mobile lightweight lock-on and stick setups uh i bought a lone wolf um alpha two stand just 14 pounds uh cast aluminum and bought four lone wolf sticks and used that for ooh almost three seasons um and had a lot of success with it. I really loved it because the thing is, you know, when I was using a climber, especially on public land, I was extremely limited on a lot of places I hunted, either where I could climb or how high I could climb without having to cut a whole bunch of limbs. And the thing is, you know, when you're trying to sneak in there, you're trying to be quiet. You know, the last thing I want to do is be sawing limbs at, you know, five o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah. You know, been there. And, and early boat season. Like that sucks, man. And then, oh, you know, yeah. you try to find that, you try to find that one tree where there's a hardwood or pine that doesn't have any limbs on it for, you know, 12 feet, 15 feet. Yeah, you're hunting for a but, tree. You're not hunting for a spot. Exactly. So I was tired of that. So, again, that's actually the saying I used to tell a lot of guys when I actually started the running gun page was, you know, I'm all about, you know, hunting the deer, not hunting for a tree. And to me, where I hunt and where I have hunted, when you use a climber, you're hunting for a tree. You're not <clears throat> really hunting where the deer are at yeah. unless you get lucky. Yeah, and to pr- – and to- expand on that a little bit uh in the south there's at there's tons of trees that you can get in with a climber it's not necessarily a problem to find a tree you can get in with a climber the problem arises when you hunt kind of how we've been hunting over the last couple years where you're in thicker areas you're tighter to bedding and like for for me personally i'm hunting and my my story is pretty much exactly like jacob's um where you're hunting like on the edge of a cutover or on a tra- like a, a transition between two forest types where it's thicker. There's a lot more trees with limbs. I'll give a, I'll give a good example of this. Um, I was in the last club that I was a part of before I started hunting public land. There was a, this one spot up on top of the mountain that had a bedding area on the adjacent property. And there's an old barbed wire fence that ran through the woods right there that had been there for, you know, it was going through the middle of trees. It's real old. 
and one part of the fence was gone and the deer were crossing it. I mean, heavy, heavy, heavy. There's a big, 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 big trail right there. And uh, some guys had been seeing a buck um, around in that area quite a bit, so we thought that he was maybe using that spot. This was in a buddy of mine. His dad had a climber right there. And out of all those trees, there was one pine that was in just the right spot where you could get a climber up it, and there was no big limbs in the way. You wouldn't have to cut anything. But the problem was the freaking uh, the stupid tree was like, four yards from one part of the deer trail so the deer trail kind of came in and like looped around and came i mean right by that stand and it was a hunting club and a lot of people who are in clubs will probably you know know about this you know you just leave your climber on the tree right there you know lock it up so you don't have to carry it in and out if that's a spot that you're going to hunt a whole bunch so he left his climber in there and i was hunting out of it and one thing that i noticed is that the deer, every deer that I saw would come out. There's like kind of a little thicket right there. It would come out and it would stare at the base of that tree. And it would either turn around and go back. Like I saw a nice buck and the buck walked out and stared at the base of the tree and like walked, turned and slowly walked back from where he came from. The wind was perfect. I was I was checking it the whole time. And then I was all pissed about that. And then I look and there's a doe coming out. And she did the exact same thing, but rather than... Uh, turn around and go back into the bedding area, she just tried to hurry through there, and I ended up killing her. Um, and now looking back on that, I'm almost 100% sure that it was because they were used to seeing that climber there, and when they come out and it's not there, it freaks them out. They're like, hey, that thing's not there anymore. Just this, like exactly the same way as if you had just put one out, and then all of a sudden they're seeing something new. You know, They, they catch on to it, and they're like, hey, what is that thing? You know, they, they predict, they, they see changes in their environment and they catch on to it. And so that was a change in their environment. And that's the thing that kind of got my wheels turning about the whole mobile hunting thing. And now here we are today. And then I started hunting publicly in the next year. But that's, that's just to kind of give people a little background on, on what me and you are talking about on kind of why we started disliking climbers. But uh, continue with your story. Yeah, and you were layered for the game, too, using a lock-on, because you didn't start using a lock-on until I bought a couple of those uh, Lone Wolf uh, Alpha Tech stands and started yeah. and started using them. Because when I met you, you were using XOP, like, freaking, what do you call it, open shot, or what are uh, those freaking stands? What does Lone I, Wolf call them? Single, uh, no, hand, hand climber. Yeah, it's a hand climber. I can't, I don't remember, I think it was a tree shadow or something. I think yeah. it was pretty cool. I mean, it was mobile. The seat was itty-bitty, and you could just pop that joker right off the tree and go up and around limbs, like take it off and put it above a limb and keep going for a little bit. Yep. But, but anyways, yeah, I, I was kind of late to the game. I didn't start using those mobile lock-ons until probably, I guess, two years ago or something like that. Before that, I was yeah. using – um, I was, I was actually – I was still using lock-ons, but I wasn't using mobile lock-ons. I would have like oh a, yeah yeah it was it was horrible. We'd move like straight up just lock on setups all the time. It was miserable. And then because uh, I didn't know about the the whole portable stick thing, so we were just using straight up tubular go together sticks, and it was terrible. But, no way in hell. Yeah, nope. uh, I was using that the open shot, and then eventually I got to where I was pretty much only using the open shot and hunting off the just off the ground, um, no blind, or just making a natural blind out of what's around me. 
And, uh, yeah, and then I started using that Lone Wolf Alpha Tech. Yeah. And, again, I remember when you switched over to that, and I bought some of those, uh, I bought a couple extra Lone Wolf sticks. You were like, holy crap. Like, you kind of, like, it opened your mind up to, like, the versatility of, again, you know, hunting the deer and not hunting for a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And, I mean, it was it was crazy. You know what? Actually, I was using a mobile lock-on before you got those Alpha Techs. I was using that Hawk Helium and the Muddy Sticks. Oh, you were? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I yeah, completely right. forgot about those. Oh, I hated that thing, though. I did not like yeah, that, that setup. Yeah, I just kind of blocked that out of memory. Yeah, that's, that's what that was. That's what that was, because I hated that. You were like, I promise it's awesome. And then you lent me that Lone Wolf. I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, let, let you like the, the budget Lone Wolf. You're like, oh, this is so much better than Hawk. Oh, oh man. God, man. Hey, that's, that's sorry like, to dog on Hawk here, but it's true. Oh, man, I didn't like, I did not like that stand. Well, it's like, that's, I tell guys all the time, especially like when we first started uh, running gun, the running gun page is that, you know, guys are like, oh, you know, Hawk Helium's, oh, it's a great stand. I'm like, it's an okay stand if you're hunting straight, I mean, toothpick straight trees, it's, it's okay, I guess. You know the you know the ratchet system was pretty pretty weak and the uh, I don't know just wasn't a fan of the whole like the seat was so like loose to the fact that it would bang around if you didn't have that sucker tied down you know latched down good. Where yeah. like the lone wolf the thing which I mean the lone wolf alpha tech is not the same. The lone wolf alpha tech I, I hate to see it on that thing because it flops around too. But like the alpha and then the assault. Both those seats, I mean, literally are like, you put them in whatever position you want, and they're not going to move, like when you're climbing up, which is fantastic because they're not banging around. Because I remember hunting with you a few times in that freaking Alpha Tech seat, bang, and I'm like, dang. Yeah, you give me crap. Yeah, that Hawk, okay, so the Hawk Helium, which I'm pretty sure is still in production. If not, then they have something like it out there. Uh, I mean, Hawk, Hawk is not a mobile, they're not a mobile hunting brand first. Like, they, their bread and butter is blinds and ladder stands and stuff like that. They just make they just make the, the mobile stuff because they can make a little bit of money on the side with it. And I'm not speaking out of term there. I know that for that. I know that for a fact because the marketing director told us that at ATA where we're like, dude, why don't you make shorter sticks? Everybody buys your sticks and cuts them in half. And he's like, because we won't make any money. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but... Well, also, I mean, they don't market any of their stands for mobile hunting because that's not nothing they've ever really even looked at. I mean, they just they literally have some lighter weight stands that they just market as like being easier to hang because they're lighter weight. But I mean, you know, most of the products they design or for fixed positions, fixed location, you know, setups that you're doing, you know, you're putting up, you know, before season, which is fine. You know, that's how I grew up hunting. I mean, we, when we hunted our farm releases, you know, we had pre-hung stands and. You know, it, it was what it was, you know, no big deal. But, you know, when you're trying to take it to the next level and you're trying to stay mobile on a club, a lease, or public land, that ain't going to cut it, at least not in my book. You know, for someone, if they're on a budget, you know, that's fine. But to be honest, you know, for the price you're going to pay for one of those stands, you know, if you would save an extra 30, 40 bucks, you could buy either an XOP, like Vanish, um, or you could get like a Lone Wolf, a Solar Alpha, you know, use. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, people, and, and I don't know why people are like so afraid of like used gear, dude. I'm a, lo- I love used gear, dude. Oh, um, dude. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, so, I here, mean, you, I'll, what, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, you even bought like Sitka stuff used. I mean, that's like the way to do it, man. Oh, dude. All my hunting crap is used, man. You buying used stuff and then bartering. 
Like, I tell people all the time, I was shooting that Hoyt last year, and uh, that Hoyt dude started several, like, many years ago as, like, a crappy, cheap Barnett crossbow that I traded for, like, a Martin bow, which I traded for an older Matthews bow, which I traded for that Hoyt. Like, it's all about bartering. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, you – what? Well, that was kind of funny because you went from a Matthews, uh, what was it, the monster, the original monster. The monster like accelerate. Two, like, it's like a 2008 bow. Well, I don't know if it's that old. I was going to say 11 or 12. Oh, uh, maybe it was. No, I guess it wasn't. Because, two, because no, chill, I think it was 2010. I don't know. Whoever's a Matthews guy, I can comment on here. But anyways, yeah, that, that was pretty interesting. Though you, you made that deal. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Drooling all the audio and blow everybody's eardrums up. Yeah, that's, don't you? that's what I do. Um, okay, but anyways, <laughs> we're kind of getting off topic, guys. But where we're trying to get to is kind of show you what we've been doing in the past. So, again, we've gone from climbers to lock-on tree stands and sticks to now what we're using. Time out, time out, time out. Well, the last thing I wanted to say before we get, go on to the next thing is if you are a guy who does not care about what we're about to talk about and you're like, I don't like that. I want to use a lock-on because I like to sit in something. Uh, take it from me, who's used a little bit of everything, like climbers, and I've used hawk stands, and I've used uh, lone wolf stands. Dude, I would rather hunt off the ground for a whole season and just buy a nice lone wolf stand than cheap out and get another hawk, which is terrible to say. Sorry, yes. hawk. But, dude, it's true. It's true, man. I would rather hunt off the ground and not waste my money on that thing because – Ultimately, it is kind of a cheap stand, and the ratchet strap's a piece of junk. The The place where you hook the ratchet strap to is in the worst spot ever, so it's impossible to get that thing tight to where your your, your top uh, bat wing behind the seat that grabs the tree is, like, firmly on the tree. You can do it. It's just really hard to get it right. Uh, the components are just kind of cheap, dude, like... And my whole problem with it is when I'm buying an, an expensive piece of hunting gear, this goes back to the bartering thing, I want it to where if I decide to get rid of that down the road, it either has good resale value or good bartering value. So, like, with those, like, lone wolf stands, if you buy, like, a lone wolf alpha and it's a 200-something dollar stand, then the resale value is really good. You can, you can still get a a good amount of money for that stand after you use it pretty heavily as long as you don't just throw it out the back of your truck or something or you know that's something that's super easy to barter if you wanted to go into like saddles or something you could easily barter a stand for a saddle you know if somebody decided they didn't like the saddle it would not be that hard to do that so when uh when you're buying kind of a higher end piece of hunting gear or not higher end um what i meant to say is when you're buying a large piece of hunting gear like a big investment don't cheap out because it'll just bite you down the road like make that initial investment and then you can essentially hold on to that money for longer and turn it into different things if you want to but anyway yeah, exactly now now please Jakob, bring us into the next part yeah so again we're still kind of talk, talking about the you know first you know kind of our, our first rule or our first topic into like kind of the ultralight mobile setup and ultralight to me ultralight to everybody is different um you know ultralight when i was using a climber an ultralight you know climber was you know 20 pounds or so mm -hmm. uh if, if, it, if it was 20 pounds or lighter that was a light climber yeah um when I got to the stand and sticks, I, I added a little bit of weight. It was 24 pounds, give or take. 
but the thing was, it made me over more versatile. So yeah. it takes us to this next point, which I was actually like the biggest denier period. Like, dude, I talked so much crap about this. It was not even funny. Like straight up, like talked absolute garbage about saddles. Like, like <laughs> literally anyone, anyone that met me in the year of two, 2017, when I found out about saddles, I was dogging them. I mean, it, it was up it was until crazy. I, I purchased back. one and Jacob got purchased. He got hunting gear envy and copied me. It bought a saddle and got it nine weeks before I got mine. <laughs> yeah. Still butthurt about that. Yeah, well, anyways. <laughs> I, again, guys, what I'm trying to say is I was the biggest denier of saddles, period, before this, okay? So I'm not coming at you like, oh, yeah, I was always on board. No, dude, like, I, I was a lone wolf junkie for, like, four years almost before I did this, and now I'm looking to actually sell my lone wolf stands. This is like, I don't use them anymore. So this kind of gets into this. So it's like, you're taking that versatility of that lone wolf stand sticks, okay? That mobile setup, but you're now moving it to something that weighs instead of 14 pounds for your stand. Now my platform and saddle roughly weighs, I don't know, five pounds, give or take. Yeah. And then you got guys, now you got, then you got guys on here that use like a, an old, uh, lock on wind walker, you know, these really, like, you know, these stands from, like, the 90s and 80s that are five pounds. But they're tiny, and they're not meant for guys like me at all. I would break <laughs> one. So, you know, if you want one of those wind walkers, that's fine, but you're not going to get one with the adjustment. Unless you're sitting on straight trees, I don't care what you're doing. It's not adjustable yeah, at all. Yeah. Can't adjust a seat. Can't adjust a platform. Nothing. And it's a- made of angled aluminum. Like, angled, yeah, like, not, I'm not cool with that. So, Yes, guys, there are stands out there, like old stands that are super lightweight. But regardless of that, and if you can find one in good shape, they're kind of hard to find in good shape. Yeah. But the whole saddle thing is kind of this next step to get more lightweight. Get, I'm not going to say get more mobile. It might make you, might make you more mobile because you save some weight and you're like, hey, maybe I can walk farther or whatever. Yeah. But really, it's, it's like the comfort factor is me. It's like I'm more comfortable walking in and out than actually now, well, especially after this next style, is going to be even more comfortable up in the tree than before. Um, and you still get the versatility, which is freaking awesome. And the cool thing is, like, what I really liked about the saddle, like, switching over to it, and again, up until the point I received mine, I was like, dude, this is garbage. I'm probably going to send it back. I'll probably keep it, like, a week and be done with it. But it's like, this is how lightweight it is. It's compact. You can wear it in if you want to. I mean, you can put it in your backpack and walk in. It doesn't matter. It is a super compact. So, like, if someone was coming over from, like, the tree stand world and they really, really wanted, like, that seat and everything, they wanted, like, that super comfortable seat. I mean, there's a company out there called JX3 Outdoors. They make what they call the JX3 Hybrid. And it's a – he calls it a stand. It's a stand saddle hybrid. But you still tether in like you are in a saddle. But it's like sitting in – I mean, to me, the best way to describe it is, like, sitting in the most comfortable – uh, millennium seat, but more comfortable. Yeah, uh, I mean, that thing is ridiculous. crazy. That thing is nice, man. If I had one, yeah. that it'd be my go-to for gun hunting. I don't know if I would use it for bows that much. Uh, we still need to, like, test that joker a little bit and then crank out another video on it. But, yeah. I mean, just initial thoughts from the first video we did on it, I, I definitely, like, the comfort factor is there, dude. Like, that joker is comfy. Uh, I would change the whale tail that that hits the tree that kind of keeps you in place. Uh, I wouldn't make it pointed or I wouldn't make it, 
kind of so uh, angled, I guess, because it'll catch your pants and rip them. And if I'm wearing, like, Sitka pants, that's not good because Sitka pants are expensive. Or First Light, especially. Dear God, if you wear Merino, don't even bring it near that thing. If you look at it funny, it rips. Um, but I don't know, dude. For bows, that thing might be a little bit harder to bow hunt out of, but maybe not. Like I said, that needs to be tested. But for gun hunting, it's I think it's far superior because you can – put that whale tail and the whale tail is just something on the seat in between your legs that sticks out and it sticks into the tree basically to hold you in place and uh with that you know you can just sit down and that whale tail is hitting the tree holding you in place and your feet are just swinging like you can just swing your feet back and forth you don't have to put pressure on anything like the thing is just holding you up and for me uh it'd be a lot easier to make a rifle shot that way because you're not having to uh, I guess contort your body in any way. You're not having to put pressure on a ring of steps or a platform to hold yourself in a certain position where you got your gun rested. You can just sit there and let the saddle hold you up while you just focus on aiming, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably agree with that too. I mean, you're definitely a little more constricted. But, again, kind of just running through the saddle options. And that's someone that really just wants, like, that super comfortable seat and, you know, especially if you're just, like, more of a gun hunter. Um, but, I mean, you bow hunt, bow hunt out of it as well. You know, just got to practice like everything else. Yeah. Uh, then, you, then you've got tethered and then you got arrow hunter. Arrow hunter has been around the longest saddles. Uh, you can find, like, some of their old Evo uh, hunting saddles, which is, like, the predecessor to the Kestrel. Uh, on, I mean, you can find those for relatively decent price if you can find one for sale. But uh, Arrow Hunter has the Kestrel, which I've sat in, you've sat in, yeah, briefly in Oklahoma. Dude, it is ridiculous. It Dude. is comfortable. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, what we're this is this is what we're going to talk about for as far as saddle hunting goes, and then we're going to move on to climbing system. But we yep. we I really want to cover this. Okay, first of all, first and foremost. We are not associated with any saddle company, not sponsored. So everything you hear that we're about to say is not like, they're the best because we love these people. Like, not making fun of people that are like that. But uh, I'm just, dude, don't go on the Saddle Hunter page on Facebook and ask for advice on what to buy. I hate to say this because it's a great group and I love everybody in it. I don't dislike anybody. But... Man, there's so many like pro staffers or whatever on there that are just telling you this or that about what to buy. It's just maybe not the not maybe not the best place to go ask about what to buy because you have a lot of guys who are super super loyal, both sponsored and not sponsored, who love one brand or another and have never tried the other one, and so they're just telling you their opinion on that one brand. Okay, wait, let me let me let me put it this way. Saddle Hunter is a really good place to go get advice, but if you're going to go on there and ask what saddle you should get, you're going to get 10 people who use Tethered, and you're going to get 10 people who use um, Arrow Hunter, who are loyal as crap to those brands, who have never tried the other brand, and they're going to tell you why theirs is better, having no knowledge about the other one, which... I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just true. I'm not trying to piss anybody off here or anything, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is they're two very different saddles, and y you need to try and find somebody who's tried 
one of each, not somebody who's just used tethered or just used arrow hunter because, I mean, they're, they're very different saddles. They're different styles of saddles, basically. Um, yes, and it's actually harder to do because there's not many people out there that's tried both systems. Yeah. And when we mean by both systems, well, hold on. When we mean by both systems, there's really two leaders right now in the, in the saddle world. And, again, it's arrow hunter and then tethered. It's, that's it. I mean, JX3 is still so new. They're still trying to ramp up production and everything. Uh, trophy lines coming out with theirs in probably the next month or two, but which they have a ton of funding, by the way. I found out the people that bought tether or the people that bought trophy line saddles, which is like an older saddle company that made or made up until like the mid 2000s. The people that bought them has got some serious funding, so I'm kind of interested in seeing how that all turns out because I think it's going to be interesting, especially since it's a company that also owns a very large tree stand company. Uh, that everyone on this podcast would know about. So it looks like saddles are about to go mainstream from what I've been hearing. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, and what I, what I said a minute ago, I'm not trying to piss anybody off, but I'm just saying that if you want, like, a, if you, if you want like a really informed opinion on which saddle is the best, like, if you're looking for a comparative opinion, that's, that's what I should, that's the word I should use, a comparative opinion, then I probably would not go to a saddle hunter facebook page and be like what should i get because you got a ton of guys who just got a tethered and that's all they use and the tethered is great that's what i use it's a fantastic saddle but it's not for everybody and we're about to explain why and there's a lot of guys on there who are going to i mean just be all over tethered and rightfully so because they change the game and i mean it changes the way people hunts and the saddle hunting community honestly owes tethered a lot uh for innovating like they have and and bringing it mainstream like they have and marketing and marketing but if if you're wanting a comparative opinion you're going to have to go find a person an individual person or a couple people who have experience with both because there's also people out there who were all over new tribe or whatever they're called uh arrow hunter and uh so i don't know dude if i were going to go buy a saddle tomorrow that's what i would try and do i would try to find somebody who's used both and they can tell me what they thought about each one without injecting their own opinions or biases or whatever because oh man now after sitting in that one uh the arrow hunter it's like they're two very different saddles very 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 different they're not it's not quite apples to apples you get what i'm saying would you agree with that very much so it's like Two different spectrums. And like, people be like, oh, no, they're similar. Especially, like, when you get one inside the aisle, that's what they say. But the thing is, trying out the Kestrel from uh, Arrow Hunter, it's just, it's, you know, Tether holds, Tether whole thing, and they do a great job with it, is, like, ultra, ultra, ultra light. And that's what the saddle is. I mean, and they t- are. The Mantis is ultra, ultra, ultra light. But what I've noticed after trying the other saddles, when you go ultra, ultra, ultra light, you get, le- there's no really, like, structure uh, structural structure. Oh my god, I can't talk. <laughs> There's no integrity on the structure of it when you're sitting it, so it just kind of conforms however it really wants. Okay, I mean you can tighten it down and kind of adjust it, and that's what we did. And you know, hunting with it all fall and it was fine. You know, but the uh, the kestrel has much more like rigidity to it, which people are like, oh well, that doesn't sound comfortable. No, it's it's unbelievably comfortable. And the one thing I loved about it is uh, the waist belt. The waist belt's so free. it's 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 uh, like a two inch webbing a two and a half inch webbing, um, which is fantastic because it almost gives you like some lower lumbar support because you have it on your lower back. Um, 
but also it doesn't twist or bind or anything uh, like like my Mantis did. Because my Mantis, I'm, I'm a heavy set guy, guys, and uh, the Mantis, uh, the belt itself would like kind of twist on me. Uh, like when I've been sitting up there for a little while, I don't know really why I would do this. It's a lot like thinner material. Uh, that's one thing I really noticed. But of course, you know, the Kestrel is not ultra, ultra, ultra light. It's yeah. still lightweight, much lightweight than any other tree stand because it's like two and a half pounds or something. I haven't put one on scale, but again, I'm just talking specs off the top of my head. You know, two and a half pounds, maybe a touch heavier than that. But still, relatively lightweight. I mean, extremely lightweight. You know, it's I mean, when you're coming from a stand, it's like, I mean, the different. Okay, if you're coming from like a heavy freaking stand setup where you're carrying 20 plus pounds in. The weight difference between the Mantis and the Kestrel uh, is nothing. It's a non-issue. I mean, it, it's nothing. Yep. That's the one thing. The, a lot of saddle guys are like ounce counters, which is fine. You know, if that's if that's who you are. That's fine. I'd rather be more comfortable. I'd rather be comfortable and packing, you know, extra clothing if I want it, water, food, yeah. whatever I'm doing. And yeah. I, again, I'd rather keep packing stuff in where you get guys like I was telling you about before we started recording. There was a guy talking about. He's going so ultra light this year. He's not even carrying a backpack. You know, he's carrying yeah. his like wattage steps in the bag. He's wearing his saddle, and if he can't fit it in his cargo pants pockets, then he's not carrying it. I'm like, clearly, bud, you do not sell film. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Anyways, but again, we're, we're rambling a ton on saddles. But okay, this kind of coming to the whole thing. Saddles for us right now is like the perfect fit for what we're doing, guys. Again, it's not right for everybody. You know, we understand that. You know, if you want to sit in your tree stand, that's awesome. I've sat in tree stands freaking forever. Still great. I have no issue sitting in tree stand. But uh, this is the versatility of getting the saddle lightweightness, uh, comfort now, especially with what I'm going to be trying out this summer, hopefully into the fall. We're extremely comfortable. Um, you know, I just I enjoy it. Again, not for everybody. Definitely reach out i mean if you want to get on the saddle get on the saddle hunter page and ask but hey is there anybody in um little rock arkansas that has a saddle whoever close to you in this post on yeah. there i'm sure there will be somebody within an hour of you that would have no issue at all meeting you somewhere to letting you test out a saddle yeah so and that, i recommend doing that that that's the cool thing about the saddle hunting community is that guys are super pumped about saddle hunting and they really want to help other people get into saddle hunting. So, yeah, yeah uh, like you said, there there should be no issue at all finding somebody who will gladly let you try out their saddle. So, yeah, that's that's pretty sat- dang cool. I was going to say, we saddle hunters are the vegans of the world. And I'm sure that's exactly what some of our listeners <laughs> are thinking right now. Just want to tell everybody. That, that and CrossFitters just want to tell everybody. Yeah, right, yeah so. saddle hunt. So, it's, uh, it's pretty so. legit. You should try it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt we have any. I doubt we have any vegans that listen to us. But I guarantee we get a lot of CrossFitters that follow us. So yeah, yeah, not try, not try poke any fun. But anyways, JT's all right, a CrossFitter. JT does CrossFit. Uh, doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but hey, um, so so the thing the thing about saddles, uh, just kind of last thing touching on this, unless you have something else after I say this, but the the difference between a a tethered mantis and a arrow hunter kestrel is basically just the form of it like the all I, all that me or jacob had used all deer season was a tethered mantis and they're re, they're awesome they're really really cool and they're really lightweight and my favorite thing about it is the fact that you can wear it on the walk-in and literally completely forget it's there i mean it's very easy to use um and i think for me and you 
uh, and probably a lot of other guys out there, we thought that pretty much all saddles felt like that. But then um, yes. we were in Oklahoma, we had a chance to sit in a well, – that was a Kestrel, right? It was a Kestrel. Yeah, and it felt a lot different, uh, to us at least. You know, everybody's different. Somebody else might sit in the two different stands and uh, be like, oh, they're exactly the same. But for me and you, I mean, it jumped out at us almost instantly like, wow, it feels a lot different. So, I mean, they're just – they're not apples to apples. And honestly, if you ask Greg Godfrey that, he'd probably agree because Greg Greg and, and the guys at Tethered are very honest about their product and they – when, like, they're not going to tell you that their product is something that it isn't. The Tethered is a minimalist saddle, and I'm pretty sure I've heard some of them say that before. It's yeah. A, it's, it's a yep. minimalist saddle. So if you want the absolute bare bones, absolute just minimum thing that is super, super, super lightweight, very easy to wear in and hunt out of, then the Mantis is for you. Um, if you can, If you have the opportunity to try a Mantis and it's not – the most comfortable thing, like you getting some hip pinch and stuff, which you can't alleviate. But, I mean, truth be told, I hunted in that thing for several months, and I never got it completely, like, really comfortable. I mean, I got it comfortable enough to hunt out of for several hours, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't, it's, it's not as comfortable as, like, a Summit Viper. It's just not to me. Um, but that, I don't know, man, that Kestrel was pretty nice. I mean, just having something that really, I guess kind of cups you better. That it felt very good. The drawback to that though is that it is slightly more heavy, which I don't really care about if it's more comfortable. But is my my thing is uh, the walk in with it. So wearing it might be not quite as easy um, on the walk in. Uh, nah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be worried with that. It's got a really good belt. The only thing I would legit change with one is the leg. Like it's suit. And another thing, guys. Uh, um, Arrow Hunter mixed the Kestro and also the Kite and now the Flex uh, saddles. Uh, and they talk about this all the time that they uh, they over quote unquote overbuild their saddles on on like safety, which is which is great. Again, they should feel safer. But the thing is, the leg straps on the Kestrel are definitely over. This, the leg strap buckles on the Kestrel are the same buckles that Tether uses on their waist belts. Yeah. So literally the same exact buckle. Exactly the same. So if it was me and I was buying a Kestrel, which I'm thinking about getting one, um, I would probably cut those buckles off and actually use some of my. It's gonna be like a mutant. I'm gonna use some of my actual, I guess, extra um, G clips. I think that's what they call them from Tether uh, to use for the leg straps. Just again, they just lock on real quick and you tighten them down. They're good to go. Yeah. Uh, just so you don't have extra, you know, metal bouncing around or, you know, anything like that, that make noise or again, and it's shooting save you. I mean, each of those, you know, weigh, you know, decent amount. So, you know, cutting those off might help a little bit, but, uh, but dude, it's just freaking cool. Um, again, I like it. Okay. Let's just freaking shut the hell up. So, okay, guys, <laughs> sorry to waste your time on that crap. Just, you know, we like that ultralight setup. And again, this is talking about like ultralight hunting and that is, you know, something we're kind of passionate about. And this thing very versatile, but a lot of different options out there for that. But as the, you know, as important as the as the the tree stand or the saddle is the climbing system. Yes. So, uh, climbing systems. You want to start? Okay. Yeah. So I started out, guys. You know, if you now listen, if you're the guy and you listen to this podcast, like, oh, a climber is all I ever need. Nothing else that we talk about in this episode probably you're gonna care about. So. 
Yeah, you finish can, now. You can just go back and listen to one of our other episodes now. Now, if, but you're, if you're like one of our, you know, dedicated followers that you are a public land guy or you want to get into public land hunting or you do want to be more mobile on your lease or your family farm or your hunting club, whatever, then what we're about to say is going to benefit you because you're going to need this, which is a climbing system. Now, starting out, when I went to a lock-on setup, my climbing system was Lone Wolf Sticks, which I still love Lone Wolf Sticks. Um, to me, for what you're getting, I, I feel like they're a fantastic option. Um, but a lot of guys, the, the one downside to them is they're single step. They're not double step. And what we mean by what I mean by single step is you alternate right, left, right, or left, right, left. Okay. Uh, where there's other sticks on the market like the Muddy Pro sticks, the Hawk Helium uh, sticks, which are double steps. So for every time you you know take a step, you get two steps. So you get one for the left and one for the right foot, which is nice. This is like a comfort feature. But to be honest, when I was climbing, I never tried to stay in one position overly long, even to hang a stand. So it really never affected me. I, I didn't really care a whole bunch about that. Um, but that's an option for somebody. So when you're talking sticks, guys, there is a relatively decent price range from what's out there right now. So kind of some of the options is, uh, you know, on the more, I guess, I'm going to say budget-friendly side, but still quality is going to be the Hawk sticks. I would I would not recommend really any other sticks uh, for that price range, which that's right around the $100 price range. Uh, I think right now they're a little bit higher because they came out with their um, second version of them, which just has like a Versa button, which is like a quick attachment system for your strap, uh, along with their new uh, stacking system, which is pretty cool, kind of innovative. Yeah, it just has suction cups. Check out our YouTube channel for the a first look at that uh, from the ATA show this year. Yeah, th- that video almost has 10,000 views, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because we, like we were talking to the dude, and we're like, why don't you make these shorter? He's like, nobody mobile hunts, or like not that many people mobile hunt. But, I mean, shoot, dude, the Lone Wolf video that we did, our video has like 20,000 views. Bowhunter dies, twenty one, and Bowhunter dies has like twenty five, which some of those are probably the same people. But I mean, it's a growing community, and I really wish that Hawk would get with it and make something that people want. Because, dude, I would love to know the percentage of people that literally buy Hawk sticks and cut them down to shorter sizes. Because I bet that it's a pretty. I bet that if you showed that to their marketing guys, they'd they'd raise an eyebrow at it. The amount of people that are yeah. doing that. And another thing that I wanted to mention, I mentioned earlier that we weren't affiliated with any saddle companies as though we had other sponsors. We don't have any sponsors, so anything that we say, we're not sponsored. Go on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, if, and like, and I'll, I'll give you examples. So, like, Adam Limb, probably a lot of people think we're, like, like I guess, sponsored off Adam Limb. We actually done a lot of work for Matt at Adam Limb and uh, produced all of his videos, kind of like his little marketing career on all that. Um, so anyways, so one way he pays us is either with gear or again, financially. So I just want to put that, that out there. That's well, also guys. with a uh, six mile productions. That's not necessarily Southern outdoorsman. Yeah, um, exactly. So. Like, so if you see us repping his stuff, um, it's cause we like it. Uh, I don't have, yep. I literally have no reason to use Matt's stuff unless I liked it. So that's why. That's why we like it and we rep it because uh, Matt's a buddy of ours and he makes really cool stuff. It's American made. And especially after being able to go to Oklahoma and watch him in his shop and just how, how – dude, that man freaking just literally stands in his shop all day and just thinks about how he can make cool hunting gear and then just does it. 
I mean, he's like a yep. mad scientist. It's it's honestly like it's honestly pretty amazing to watch him work. It like honestly, it's really cool. But anyway, like this is a solo side note, but I can totally see him having a TV show where he's just building random crap. Like, all right, what are we gonna do today, guys? All right, I'd watch it. I'd watch exactly. He has something that he's trying to come out with that I'm not allowed to say, but it'll come out, and when it does, we'll talk about it. But I mean, Jacob, you can agree that when we were there and we started talking about it, and that sob had a prototype in like four hours, we were like, all right, cool. (laughs) I mean, we can we can we can talk. Okay, we can say what it is. We just can't go into detail on it. Stick. It's a stick. It's an awesome, really cool stick. It's a climbing stick, which is going to be legit. And by the way, I was going to let you know. I don't know how long when was the last time you talked to him, but he told me a couple days ago he actually tested it out and uh, actually tested out better than what he thought it was. Uh, oh, dude! Yeah, this thing so, is—it's cool. It's a way different design. There's with, nothing on the market. That, nothing, nothing does what this thing does, which is pretty cool. Okay, well, you know, I want to talk about that stick a little bit. Well, I don't know how much we're allowed to say. Okay, well, hold on. Well, let's let's kind of stay on the topic and not get too excited about everything. It's cool, but, man. It is cool. Cool, 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 cool. I get. Okay, yeah, climbing, climbing we'll system, ha- climbing system. Okay. Well. So, okay, so basic climbing <laughs> system for anyone that's going to start out mobile hunting. Okay, guys? Sorry we're getting super excited jumping all over the place. Is It's going to be a climbing stick. It's the simplest thing they use, period. Okay, I don't care what someone else says because I've used everything. Literally, a climbing stick is going to be the simplest way for someone, especially new, to get up a tree. Oh, okay? yeah. Whether, you, whether you're using a lock-on or you're using a saddle. Now, again, price points is all different. You know, the low end. I mean, you can get, like, super cheap sticks, but if you're going mobile setup, the cheapest stick I would ever get is a hawk stick, and they're heavy. They're, like, three pounds a piece, which that's kind of heavy for me. Um, then again, whatever, I'm a snob. That's why people cut them in half. Exactly. That's why people cut them down, and then they, like, readjust the steps. But, anyways, and most of these sticks, guys, are 32 inches, uh, so they has three steps on it. Um, so, you got a hawk stick's on the kind of the lower end of what I would call is, like, a mobile hunting stick. On the higher end... I guess now would be the Lowell Custom Gear sticks, which I, are like. If I had all the money in the world, I would buy those. Yep. Agreed. Straight up. If Agreed. I if I had if I had a really good job and I was making a bunch of money every year, I would if buy those. If was printing money in the basement, that's. If what I was printing money in the basement with a money machine, I would buy those, and that would that would be hundred percent my go-to because they're 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 short sticks. Now they make long long sticks and short sticks. I would use their short ones because they're stupid lightweight. But I, uh, to be completely honest, lightweight is nice. I'm not an ounce counter where if you get too lightweight, I think it gets stupid and useless. And I mean, if it affects the functionality of the product, then I don't want it to be like that lightweight. Like you hear backpackers talking about cutting a handle off their toothbrush. That's stupid to me. Yeah. Like, dude, just so- use the toothbrush. You're saving like half an ounce just use the toothbrush like that's that's how i am with hunting stuff so with the lone wolf sticks the reason i like them so much is because they they're pretty light and then also they stack together so well and they're compact and they'd be very easy to carry so my whole philosophy with the climbing system in general is yes i want it to be light but honestly the packability of it is a lot more important than the lightweight part of it because uh, if I have a climbing system that might be lighter, but it's super awkward to get in a backpack, or it's long like a stick or something that's going to get hung on everything, then I'd rather go with something slightly more heavy that's easier to carry in. 
and not get hung yeah. up in briars and all that crap. But what were you saying? No, I was going to kind of say earlier with like the, the whole thing. Like the, what I like about their stick is not necessarily how I many. It's lightweight, but it's also the design. I mean, when you put four of those sticks together, I mean, it's like right at like four inches or just under four inches because the way they stack together is ridiculous. And it's like the compactness is what I like about it. Um, yeah. But but again, guys, that's not high. And that's Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So there's a Lone Wolf tree stands and stuff, and there's Lone Wolf Custom. So two different companies. It's not the same company. Even It's it's complicated. It's a very complicated story. They're two um, different but, companies. That's all you yes. need to know. And then also on the other high end, we got to mention it because if not, we'll probably get a message from somebody or a bunch of people. Is on again on the high end would be the Hunting V6 from Dane and Fault. Uh, they are sweet. I've seen them in person. Um, definitely pretty freaking cool. Um, I don't think they're as special as everyone says they are. Um, again, just because of price point, I think they're like 80 bucks a piece for a stick. They're, they're about the same as the Lone Wolf Custom Sticks, right? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I think they're exactly the same price. So since uh, I I've only seen Lone Wolf custom sticks, I haven't seen a B stick yet. But in your opinion, I mean, you pretty much just said it. You like the Lone Wolf one more. To me, and I it's want way you more to, co- yeah, I want you to talk about this. To me, the B stick just looks like a climbing stick that's super light. I mean, it's just regular stick, kind of goes together like other sticks have. Uh, maybe it snaps. You know, maybe it's tighter together and and they stay together better than other sticks because a lot of other sticks are kind of notorious for coming apart uh, when you're trying to pack them. But maybe they snap together better or whatever. But they just they seem like they're just a good old climbing stick where the lone wolf stick folds up into something extremely flat and extremely easy to carry. I mean, would you agree with that? Again, lone wolf custom. You need to make sure you say it's custom. If not. Someone will be extremely confused thinking you're oh, talking about God. regular Lone Wolf. Yeah. So Lone Wolf Custom, yeah. So what I, what I, well, this is how I describe it. The V-Stick, you could DIY that without an issue and come out the exactly the same way, okay? Um, especially if you had a CNC machine. The, I guess you could do the same thing with Lone Wolf Custom, but the Lone Wolf Custom, to me, has a lot more kind of added features to it. Just on the compactness. Like, dude, they're so stupid compact. It's, it's just freaking awesome. That's, that's what I like about them. But again... Not trying to get on soapbox because there's other climbing options I got to go over as well. But yeah. like, again, that's kind of the stick range. And again, in between this, like Muddy Pro Sticks, the Muddy Aerolites, uh, XOP. Um, some people use the API. I'm not using API. I don't like this. I don't know. I would not get the API sticks. That's really budget friendly. Um, but that's pretty much it. And another thing, guys, while we're kind of talking about like quote unquote budget friendly, Mobile hunting setups are not meant to be cheap because it's for really it's, it's, it's a system you're using as a, you know, kind of do it all system instead of having a bunch of standalone, you know, stationary location like stand sticks. OK, mm-hmm. so people are like, oh, it's so expensive. I'm like, dude, you know, you get you talk about having like freaking 10, you know, cheap lock ons hanging all these dang trees with, you know, you know, whether you're using, you know, stick ladders or whatever you're using, get up the tree. Screw all that. Get one mobile setup, and then you can stay mobile, and it's not hard at all to put it up, especially once you practice. That's the whole point of this whole thing. Yeah. Other climbing options. Let's get on with that. Other okay. climbing options. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over something, and then I'm gonna toss it to you, and then I'm gonna go while you're talking. I'm gonna go grab my phone charger before my phone dies. But um, my climbing system I've been using pretty much all year is a uh, Bullman Silent Approach. Uh, I guess you should call them steps. Um, 
Man, I should really have learned all the official names for these things before we did this. But, uh, yeah, Bullman, Silent Approach Steps, those things are pretty dang cool. Um, the way that they pack up into a bag, um, I mean, it worked. I liked it uh, at the time, but apparently now he's got something that's a lot better. So I'm really eager to see that and kind of try that out. Um, but basically, it's just a, literally, it's just a step, like a plastic step. It's a 90-degree angle that that comes off the tree and then you know it, i don't know how to explain it but it's a there, step there, what no the, it's the easiest way to describe it. it's an individual cam strap step it uses very small cam straps uh i forget what the weight the weight rating on i think it's like 300 350 pounds but he's testing them up to like 1400 pounds like the the steps don't break uh it's an injection molded plastic uh very very tough again 90 degree angles uh individual steps you get to our, our sets that we have uh, have 12 steps. I think he only sells them now in like 6, 8, and 10, and then you can buy individual ones as well. That's probably um, a good move because I've used all 12 steps at once before, and I got so freaking high up in the tree. I was like, wow, I did not need all these at all. So that's probably a good move on his part. But my thoughts on those is I really, really like them for getting up in nasty, weird trees with a lot of limbs because you know as in the progression of mobile hunting you know a climber is really hard to get in a tree with limbs on it with sticks it's hard to get in a tree with you know a bunch of limbs on it with the silent approach steps it's a lot easier i mean you can get in anything with it i mean anything those things are pretty cool um really you can get up People love to ask how high you can get up with the things, and that's so subjective it's not even worth trying to answer. It really depends on how tall you are and how much you stretch. Like, Jacob, like, we're probably the same height, right? Yeah. So, yeah, me and Jacob are about the same height. He weighs a little bit more than me, and he could probably get up higher than me just because he he stretches a lot more to get those steps up, get, get them spaced out more. So, I mean, I would say that you probably space your steps out, I mean, maybe even like four inches more than I do mine. Dude, I straight up koala bear those sons of guys, which I don't recommend, guys, by the way. Not necessarily the safest, even though I'm using a lot of it. But, yeah. but, like, after looking, actually, we were in Oklahoma, and we were talking about, like, how far I spaced them. Like, Matt thought I was going, like, 25 inches or so in between steps. Yeah, I mean, it's is, crazy, like, dude. like, insane. I mean, it's really, it's really, like, you'll have a step, you know, you're standing on one step, and he's putting the next one, like, up at his hip. Which is, I mean, you got to, like, grab your leg and pull it on up there. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I mean, people love to wonder about, like, oh, can I get super high in these? The the fact of the matter is, especially if you're using a saddle, you're hiding behind the daggum tree. You don't really have to be that high up in the tree. And especially when we're using these mobile setups, you you shouldn't be necessarily getting in telephone pole trees if you if you don't have to. So if you can get something with some good cover in it, I would definitely pick that tree over something else. So, I mean, getting, I'm not worried about getting over 20 feet, really. I mean, 20 feet's kind of high to me, I mean, at this point. When I was in a climber, I'd hit 30 all day long if I could. But with this new system, you just don't have to go that high. And really, it's better for shot angles. So, you shouldn't have any issue at all with that kind of step, um, getting up to the height that you want to get up to. Um, my only gripes with the silent approach steps were uh, on certain trees in the south, namely water oaks that have just really tight, tight 
hard, hard, hard bark that doesn't have a lot of grooves in it. It's kind of just rough, but it's not real. It doesn't have the deep fissures in it like other kind of oak trees do. Those, it's a little bit easier for those steps to kind of slip on. And when I say slip, I don't mean they're popping off the tree or anything. I just mean that they might have a little bit of play in them when you're climbing up. Um, but other than that, on pretty much every other type of tree, they work great, aside from maybe a beech or something. Um, another thing about those steps that's important to know is that you have to put straight downward pressure on. So you can't, like, you can't put the side of your foot on it and, like, climb around the side of the tree. When you're climbing that thing, it needs to pretty much be squared up, I mean, to your shoulders. And you need to put your foot flat on the thing and push straight down. Otherwise, they will move. Um, but when you do that, they're solid as a rock. I mean, they get so tight that, I mean, it's kind of hard to get them off the tree. Excuse me. Um, and then really the last thing about those is kind of what you mentioned earlier, Jacob, is the fact that they're just different from a stick. You can't really compare it to a stick. It's not apples to apples. A stick is always going to be faster to get up a tree. But carrying a big, long, lone wolf stick might be a pain in the butt if you got to go through thick stuff. So it might be worth using the silent approach steps where it's going to take a little bit more effort and a little bit more time to get up a tree but you don't have to carry this big long stick that's loud and it's made of metal and it's clanking on each other and it's getting hung up in the brush as you're trying to walk through the woods. So, uh, I mean, those are all just things to consider. Um, but I don't know. Uh, you got anything to add to that, Jacob? I'm going to go grab my phone yeah. charger while you talk. Yeah, I was going to say, go get your phone charger. I'll take over. So uh, I also use the sound approach uh, steps as well this year. I really like them for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're extremely compact. You get 12 steps in one bag. That's about, I think it's, oh, let me, I want to say the dimensions, or I should say there's two bags. And they're on one, they're sewed onto one big strap with a buckle on there, a plastic buckle. Uh, so you can actually, like when you're climbing up the tree, I kind of throw it over one shoulder, around my neck and over one shoulder. And I kind of keep them under my arm. So when I'm going up, I can you know pull them out as I need them. Uh, but I want to say each bag is like nine inches long and like probably like four and a half inches wide, five inches wide, maybe. Um, and again, there's two bags on there. He's, he's got, uh, Sean Walters, uh, has got a new design for the bags coming out. It's going to be a little more rugged and, um, a little bit better, but anyways, it's extremely compact and dude, what are you doing? He can't hear me right now. Does he have his headphones on? So. That's one reason I like them. Also, they're extremely quiet, which is fantastic. So they're on a little cam strap, uh, kind of like a smaller version of what you'd see on like a lone stick or something. Uh, but the the plastic step, this injection molded plastic step, has a very um, very dud sounding to it. Like if you clank them together, it actually sounds like a black rack uh, rattling. It's kind of interesting. But Anyways, when you're climbing up, they make no noise because all you do, you pull the straps out of the bag. Because, I mean, these straps are like six feet long. Pull them out of the bag and let them kind of hang out while you're climbing up. And as you go, you just grab the actual step out of the bag as you're climbing and just put them around the tree and go. Yeah, it's not the fastest way to climb by no means, but it's extremely quiet. Like, I don't care if you're self-stripping your sticks. Like, it's I feel like it's quieter than your sticks climbing up the tree. Um, and that's one reason I like about them. Uh, like uh, you said, I can... hey, I'm back. Um, one thing I'm going to interrupt you there. 
about getting the sticks on the tree and everything. One thing about sticks is that uh, a lot of times you put the stick on and you get on it and it seats down like an inch or two or something, especially if you have rope mods because it's just, I mean, it's just hard to get a rope mod tight enough to where the, the stick doesn't seat down a little bit, especially on bigger trees. If you have a smaller tree that you could really get that bracket kind of around, you know, you might not get any movement. But if you're climbing a big tree and kind of the edges of that bracket are the only thing touching the tree, when you put your weight on that, it's going to seat down a little bit. And with sticks, that can be kind of loud, especially if you're using a rope mod and you don't get it tight enough. You get on that thing and it sits down two inches and just, dude, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like you're whacking the bark off with something that's terrible. Uh, with those silent approach steps, I, don't, I never really got that. I mean, they were pretty solid if you did them right where they're not sitting yeah. down and pretty much at all. Definitely not as bad as any stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much the sound approach step, and I like them. They're pretty kind of middle-of-the-range pricing. Uh, there's definitely stuff much more expensive. There's definitely things cheaper. Uh, I want to say I, we paid, I think it was like $150 for 12 steps, I believe. Uh, I'm sure the going rate's probably the same. I don't think Sean's you know, changed pricing at all on them. Uh, but they're definitely something worth checking out. Couple other uh, climbing options, or like the wild edge steps. A lot of guys like the wild edge step. I think the wild edge steps would be fantastic in places where you're not climbing pine trees. Um, I've I've seen them work for a lot of guys, especially you know if they want to use a suede or an aider or whatever, trying to climb even higher. Again, we won't go into that. We're using aiders. We're not going to go into that right now. Um, But they're metal. They're kind of hard to quiet i've seen guys try to wrap them in crap and from everything it seems like you can't really do anything to them to really make them that much quieter um but the wattage step is a it's kind of weird like one of our one of our uh, i guess listeners and uh, kind of one of our facebook friends sean clarkson or um or yeah that's right uh he's not a big fan of them because you're kind of like doing like a monkey knot as he calls it to like hold it up which it, to be honest, isn't like the safest thing, but again, they tested it like freaking picked four wheelers up off these steps and, uh, you know, holds, but anyways, it's a step. It's got two prongs. Kind of give you guys an idea of it. If you've never seen a wild edge step before, imagine this, it's, it's a it's a metal step has two prongs on the top. So you got one on the right, one on the left, and it's got a crossbar in between them. And then those two prongs, they come to, the, they come at the bottom of the step into one prong. Okay. Uh, so it looks like a big V. That's all it is with a crossbar. And the thing is, from what I've seen with guys, especially everybody at JT, climbing on pine trees, it does not matter how tight you get it. Pine trees have a lot of bark. It gives quite a bit. Oh, yeah. They have very deep, very deep grooves. And the problem is when you put pressure on them after the fact that you tighten them down, a lot of times they shift into those grooves and then they tool, kind of turn sideways a little bit. And I don't find that being very safe. Uh, but again, if you're climbing hardwoods, uh, you know, any kind of hardwood tree, I think would be fine. Uh, so that's another climbing option, guys. Um, again, they're relatively, I guess, well, they're, they're only lightweight, in my opinion, if you're using Aider with them. Because they weigh like 11 ounces, I think, a piece. Um, and if you use them like a regular step, you know, you're using 10 of them. That's, that's a lot of weight that, you know, you can save. Yeah. Uh, another climbing option uh, uh, is which is kind of interesting. You, you cannot use this, by the way, guys, on public land in the state of Alabama. Other states, call your DNR, call a game warden, call somebody, figure out if it's legal or not. But is a, is the screw, or is the, uh, what do they call it, the uh, the hand drill 
and like metal bolts or carbon bolts. Yeah. So you're using a little tiny tree auger, little handheld little thing that is not battery powered. And you're using that to screw into the tree uh, three inches. What are you doing, dude? I'm getting a lot of noise on your computer. You're typing up stuff right now. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm typing something. My bad. Anyways. Continue. But it, anyways, you're screwing it in three inches, so you're backing it back out, and then you're putting in either a uh, steel bolt into it, and a lot of guys carry like 10 of them with them. And anyways, they just do, do that all over the tree. And supposedly the tree augers, or the tr- there's like a tree hopper, the tree augers, a couple different brands, um, or very relative, or should I say relatively quick. A lot of guys like using those, especially in states. It's legal. Uh, I believe it's legal to use in like Georgia and I think Arkansas from what I heard. I don't think, I don't, oh, you, I don't think you can do it in Tennessee. And I'm a hundred percent sure you cannot do it in Alabama. Yeah. Um, but, but again, you know, some guys like using that. Uh, you can actually buy, uh, carbon, they're not even bolts, they're carbon, it's like a carbon shaft, I forgot what company makes it, then you cut them down into bolts, Yeah, uh, uh, eight, yeah. nine inches long, That's what Tyler did. And, they, and they weigh less than an ounce, they're like a half an ounce each, which is freaking insane, but, yeah, that's true, <laughs> but see, this is what I was talking about earlier, with like usability versus weight savings, for me, those little carbon bolt things, which I haven't messed with them, but they seem like they'd be slick as crap on a wet boot. And just having to drill holes for every single step when you're going up the tree. And I know people say, like, oh, it's easy, but if you're using, like, a little hand drill thing to crank those holes in, I mean, that's going to be a pain in the rear end for me. And, I mean, honestly, I would rather carry something like those Bullman Silent Approach Steps where I can just slap the joker on the tree and be done with it rather than, like, Drill a hole, stick one of the little things in. Drill another hole, stick it in. Drill another hole, stick it in. All while hanging off the edge of the tree. That just, it would take a long time in my opinion. And plus, like, you know, when I'm walking in, I might save a bunch of weight and I might not sweat as much. But I guarantee you, on the coldest day, I will still sweat when I'm trying to get up that stupid tree. And I'm like having to get in these awkward positions with my lineman's belt and drill a little hole to stick this little carbon rod in. But that's just my opinion on it. That's just how my mind works. So, well, I've seen videos on them, and actually, because they're supposed those drills are extremely sharp. That's like the selling point on them. Now, the thing is, it would dude, you could not drill into a pine tree. That would end very bad. Oh, dude, it gets sappy as all get out. I would like to see someone do it. I'd like to know what kind of tree they're doing it on, because I mean, like a hickory or something. Man, it'd be kind of. I feel like it'd be hard to get them in there, dude. Shagbark hickory. Oh, that'd be at the end. Big old. That would, yeah, 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 yeah. But where I was kind of getting with that is uh, they're extremely sharp. I've watched videos. Of, there's a, there's a, I don't know the guy's name, but he's on the um, Style Hunter page and a couple other pages. Uh, Brian Go to White Style Hunter page. And he's shown videos of him doing it. And, dude, it's like, you know, 10 seconds to drill a hole or less. I mean, probably not, probably 10, 15 seconds. I don't know. Um, which is crazy. But, again, like you said, you know, I'd rather not have to deal with that. Um, I'm trying to think what other climbing options. Um, the Cranford steps or Crawford steps. How do you say them? I have no idea. The little rope steps. There's a couple other like little step options. Amara steps. There's a bunch of other options. But again, guys, when it comes to like figuring out what's the best for you, if you're a newbie, I always recommend for Get anybody sticks. who's new. Man, you just take my thunder, bro. <laughs> always interrupting me. 
yeah, if you're new to doing this, just get sticks. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about Wild Edge. Don't worry about Sonic Pros. Don't worry about screwing anything. Just get sticks. And then when you get comfortable with that and you maybe want to save more weight or just have something that's more versatile, then look at another option. Yep. Uh, boom. And boom, full circle. That's why I talk about getting nicer gear. Because if you're new to this and you're kind of just getting into it, get like hawk or lone wolf sticks and that way if you if you're like this uh, this uh this mobile hunting is horrible i would rather just get in a club or something and do ladder stands that's cool but then you got those sticks you can sell those things off or if you're like hey i want to do silent approach or wild edge then you have like i mean really like an asset you can sell off or barter off to uh get to that other thing so you can just kind of keep that money kind of all tied up in one thing if that makes any sense. But that, yeah, and that, right now, that's exactly why I advocate for that is because, like, if you're getting into it, get something comfortable like sticks. You decide you want to get something else, you got sticks that are still worth a lot of money that you can uh, use to get another climbing system pretty easily, especially in the summertime because, man, people are, people are trading up gear and going crazy right now for all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and right now the most, uh, I say, the, the most bang for your buck on a stick and get like the highest return on investment is going to be the Hawk Helium sticks. I mean, I've seen guys like my brother who bought three of those sticks brand new for a hundred bucks and turn around some from one thirty. I mean, dude, yeah. you, you can make money off those sticks. If you, if listen, if I was going to investment on hunting gear, I would buy about two dozen of those Hawk Helium sticks. And mm-hmm. then I would wait until they run out and they're on back order for six months. And then I'd be selling them for like a 20% markup on each stick and absolutely will not be able to keep them in stock. Yeah. So yeah, yeah hot helium sticks would probably be the best way to go, especially guys if you're just trying to test it out. So anyways, um, okay, now let's kind of get to the third part because we've taken freaking forever. Yeah, we're on sitting on an hour 20. Yeah, so let's get to the next part, which is the final, which is talking backpacks. Uh, and the reason why we're talking backpacks is because most guys, if you're running – Pretty much any setup, whether you're using a climber, lock-on, or saddle, you're going to be using a backpack of some type. And also, the backpack's going to change whether or not you're a guy like us, which you're starting to either you're going to pack out deer, uh, you're going to quarter them up, and or debone them and then pack them out on public land. Or you just want to be able to kind of carry your gear, and like carrying your sticks, carrying your stand-in, whatever. You know, you're going to have a backpack for that. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. So, Andrew... Kind of take us away. What did you use last year and kind of like what are you using this year and kind of the versatility of it? So a couple of years ago for either Christmas or my birthday or something, uh, Tiffany bought me a Field & Stream backpack, which Field & Stream actually makes pretty decent backpacks. Uh, it was like the Powderhorn XL. It's kind of their bigger hunting pack. It has no frame in it or anything. It's just like a good old regular hunting backpack like I've used all my life. And it's a, I mean, it's a good pack. You can fit a lot of stuff in it. Uh, the pocket's pretty useful, and uh, so that's what I've been using for actually a couple years now, I guess. Um, and it kind of sucks for tree stands because there's two ways you can do it. You can either sta- you can either strap your stand to the pack, or you can strap your pack to the stand and use your stand as like a pack frame. And both of those options are miserable because they hurt to carry and they're super heavy, and it's awkward and uncomfortable. So I definitely do not suggest that. I suffered for it for two years, and it was, it was man, it was bad. I wish I had just ponied up and gotten something nicer. Um, but that's what I, I was using. 
Then last year, yeah, let me, let me give a little bit more background. So ever since we went to Wyoming and kind of got introduced to the world of Western hunting, we see these guys out there that are running these very elaborate, very nice, <coughs> very organized pack systems. And we've kind of, I mean, that's been ruminating with both me and Jacob for a while now. We're like, well, how can we make that work for us? And especially guys who are using climbers or lock-ons are always like buying uh, some kind of cheap frame or whatever and, and somehow attaching it to the stand and, and all that good stuff. Well, last year, Jacob bit the bullet and he bought a Mystery Ranch Pintler, which is essentially a Western hunting pack. A lot of guys use it for elk and stuff where you have a bag that attaches to an external frame and you can separate the pack from the frame and there's a little meat shelf. So there's a piece of fabric at the bottom of the bag that connects the bag and the frame and it makes a little shelf right there. So you take all the straps off that hold the bag to the frame and you're left with that shelf. And you put crap like basically on that shelf and then put the, uh, put the bag over it and then strap the bag back to the frame. So you're carrying usually in their case, meat uh, in between the bag and the frame, and it's really tidy. It's really, it holds the, va the weight very well. It packs nice. So Jacob bought that, and, uh, he did it, and he did it for, one, packing out deer, but also carrying a stand before we started using saddles. And it worked really, really, really well. So then after uh, we kind of had a season of that, now we've both really ponied up and just dropped a bunch of money on Kafaru packs. So I just got a Kafaru tactical frame, 22-inch, with a woodsman bag. And all i got to say so far is I am loving that thing. I'm really glad I bought it. Um, but we'll kind of dive a little bit more into our pack setups in a minute. But right now I want to kind of go ahead and cover the stuff about guys who might be using stands or guys with saddles who might not want to carry a giant frame pack in. So uh, why, why don't you start with kind of the whole fanny pack scene, Jacob? Yeah, so if I was a guy that was not filming at all and say I was hunting with a climber, uh, you know, I'd probably just run a super cheap, very basic little backpack, really just to keep the essentials in there. You know, kind of keep, you know, if I wasn't wearing a bino harness, kind of keep binos in the rangefinder, um, you know, gloves, backup release, flashlight, water, and like maybe a granola bar or something. Yeah. And then I'll just strap clothing to the actual stand. See, I did not mind when I was using a lock on, even though the whole setup with my alpha, lone wolf alpha sticks was like 24 pounds, not counting all my other gear. I didn't mind it all that much when I was using it because I kind of got used to it, but I would use the backpack or I'd use the actual frame, not the frame piece, the actual platform of the stand as a frame with a couple bungee cords to strap clothes to backpacks to. And I, I enjoyed that because I was like, man, it's pretty, keeps it nice and tight and, and, you know, would run real well for me. And again, at that, you know, back in, when I was using that setup, I really didn't care all that much about bag. I just want something that kind of hold the essentials in there. You know, some guys like running fanny packs. Uh, I don't like wearing a fanny pack because I get too hot and get too sweaty with a fanny pack on, which is weird. Um, <laughs> so this is, again, but it's just not for me. Uh, some guys just want to go super lightweight and they just run on a fanny pack. If you're, I, I, if you're running a fanny pack, just get some cargo pants and put whatever the hell's in the fanny pack in your pants and walk it. Uh, <laughs> again, that's my thought. Yeah. Now, 
with the Pentler, what I liked about the Pentler was the design of the bag. The bag was only like 2,500 cubic inches, which for a lot of guys, a lot of deer hunters are like, dude, that's way too big. Like, I don't need that. 2,500 uh, cubic centimeters isn't really a whole bunch for me. Like, I've had some other big bags I've used in the past. And what I liked about it was for filming, you know, I'd put the stand. I could put the stand and the sticks on the meat shelf, really just detaching the bag, putting the frame on the ground, putting the stand and the sticks on top of the frame, and then put the bag over the top of it and strap it in. Very easy. Very quick. Very just easy, simple to use. And they carry that weight quite well. Um, and, again, that was kind of the whole use of it. And I like that bag a lot because it had a lot of organization inside the bag, kind of keeping stuff nice and tight, nice and tidy. And, again, it was fantastic. Then when I went to the saddles, it was even freaking better because the cool thing was I could either wear the saddle in or I could put the saddle either in the bag or whatever. But when I was using my platform, the platform I was using this past year was the uh, Predator platform from Tether. Um, and then I used the solid crook steps. Literally detach the bag from the frame, put the uh, on the frame with the platform, and then put the bag over the top of it, strap it down, and it was perfect, dude. No movement, super quiet, super compact, and just was a fantastic situation set up. Yeah. Um, you know, with the Kapari bags, looking at what we did, I kind of wish that we bought, like, the tactical frames. I now, knowing more about them and everything, I would have bought the Hunter Light frames um, just because I, you know, the, the, what we're going to be using them for, I feel like the tactical frames is just a little more beefier than what I, what I personally would need it for. Um, but uh, we both have woodsman's packs, which are just a pretty basic pack, you know, nothing special. You got a, uh, you know, you got a top, uh, top entry, uh, roll down slash, uh, I guess you could call it a lid. Uh, and then you get your middle zipper on there, but there's really no organization with it or anything like that. But I'm looking to get the nomad bag, which doesn't have a meat shelf or anything, but has the wings. I could actually strap the camera gear and everything inside those wings, uh, not inside the wings, but underneath the wings, keep it all compressed down and have a very clean, very lightweight, very um, compact set up for deer hunting, which I think would be, you know, again, would be perfect for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, really, when you're thinking about this kind of hunting, guys, you got to think, okay, again, this is more, I guess, towards the public land guy. If you're hunting in a way that, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to start, start packing out deer. I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to learn how to quarter deer up and pack them out using game bags and maybe even debone the meat, uh, which is something I'm going to do more this coming year, which I started to do a little bit last year. Um, you're going to want a bag with a frame, with an external frame, not like a cheap, like, Alps bag, like what we had the commander do not buy that at all. Pretty sure it ever. gave me scoliosis. Yeah, Andrew's actually going to go see a chiropractor because he's a wuss. So, <laughs> anyways, um, you get buy, buy a decent pack. You know, a, you know, a bunch of bunch. There's a bunch of companies out there that make a great pack. Yeah, Mister Rich, got Kafaru, got Kuyu, you got uh, what? What's the one uh, stock. that? Yeah, what's the one that um, Joey Bell has? Stone Glacier. Uh, it, the, yeah, Stone Glacier. You got Stone Glacier. You got uh, X uh, XO Mountain Gear. You got ooh, who else? Well, ooh, yeah, who we else? we get it. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of nice, really nice pack companies out there, and it's hard to go wrong with any of them. I mean, it's kind of like bow companies; they all make 
freaking great packs. Um, but, you know, picking between the companies, you can just get real nitpicky about exactly what you want, and you can find it pretty easy. So for me, at least, why I went with the Kafaru is, one, they're 100% made in America. Uh, two, they are um, super, super customizable. So the particular pack that we got actually has, like, no zipper pockets or anything, which I like because my whole thought behind spending an absolute wad of cash on this thing is, like, this will be exactly what I want it to be. I'm not going to have anything on that pack that doesn't have a job. So I got the pack, and the pack has no outside pockets attached to it. But Kafaru makes you know, custom pockets or whatever. They have a bunch of different pockets you can get for the thing. So my plan is to just use the pack and figure out what pockets I actually need and then buy those pockets and attach them to the pack uh, rather than have, like, a weird zipper pocket on the side and on the front that doesn't really have a purpose. It's just kind of a generality thing, and it'll get full of random crap that is all tangled up and hard to, hard to use. So my, that was my purpose for going for the Kafaru pack was just their literally 100% completely customizable and uh, their frame is probably my favorite frame that I've messed with which I've messed with several and uh, man that Kafaru is nice that I mean with this little lumbar pad in the bottom that thing feels great to walk in which you haven't actually taken yours out on a hike yet which is going to change tomorrow we're going to make a man tomorrow but well and I I was going to say I've definitely probably get like you know, a, a pretty good idea between, especially Mystery Wrench and Kafari, because yeah. the Mystery Wrench bags, I mean, most of them for the most part right now are on the guide-like frame. Yeah. And after using that for a year and seeing that and now seeing my Kafari tactical frame, dude, the Kafaru is hands and, and feet above quality and the comfort of the Pentler. Yeah. Or the guide-like oh, frame. God, yeah. I was I mean, honestly ridiculous. blown but, away. But, but also the price point is freaking totally different i mean the whole bag system the pitler what i paid for it was just i mean like 50 bucks more than what this the frame costs from kafaru yeah kafaru is extremely 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 expensive to get into because you gotta have a frame and the frame's the most expensive part of their whole freaking system it's like 375 dollars and then you get your bags and the bags range from anywhere between like 150 to 350 depending on what value you're gonna get so yeah. it is not cheap at all. Actually, I talked crap about, well, jokingly, he was talking crap about one of our BHA guys uh, having a Kafari. I was joking with him about how freaking expensive that pack was. Oh, uh, yeah. They would. <laughs> yeah, back before I bought, started buying all this crap. But anyways, it, it's a cool system, but it's not a working man's freaking bad guy. So I will, will be 100% honest with that. You know, if you're that kind of guy where, like, dude, every freaking penny counts. Man, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, every, no lie. Every, well, well, let's talk about that. If you're gonna, if you're, if every penny counts, and you're like that guy, we're like, hey, like, dude, I'm like super tight. Like, you know, you're the kind of guy that, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, you would jump on a hot helium stand before anything else. The bag for you then was is probably gonna be like an Everly stock. Um, yeah. That or maybe like one of the newer Alps frames. Uh, not like the not like the uh, exposed frames. They got a couple. Um, different bags that are a little more well-priced. But, mm-hmm. I mean, still, you know, have a system that you can, like, pack your gear in with, but also pack gear out with if you're going to use, actually, like, a meat shelf and, like, pack frame. 
um, you know, you're looking what like the cheapest option I know of is probably like at least 250 bucks. Yeah. Um, so it's not cheap. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's definitely something to consider. Um, kind of middle of the road, I would say mystery ranch is a good option. Uh, for guys who are strictly whitetail, I mean, just have no interest in Western hunting, kind of like Parker, like literally does not care about going out West, but you're just whitetail hunting, but you want like kind of a stout pack that will work for you over here where if you wanted to pack out a deer, you can, or if you wanted to have that extra room of like a meat shelf, uh, check out the Mystery Ranch Pop-Up 28 and the Mule Pack. Yes. Those are legit. Those are pretty cool. So it's essentially like a very compact, small backpack. It still has an external frame, but it's a very small external frame, and it has two rods that pop up and make it longer. So let's just say you go out and you're deer hunting. And this is perfect for saddle hunters. If you're a saddle hunter, Google this right now. If you're driving, pull over on the side of the road and Google it. Um, it's basically like a little pack. I don't know the size of it or anything, but it's, it's pretty small. Uh, just enough to carry just regular hunting stuff in. If you're not filming, it's perfect for you. Uh, and then you got you know the option of the meat shelf. So you can... Basically, depending on your climbing system, you could probably just put your climbing system on that meat shelf, especially if you're using Wild Edge or Silent Approach. And then you can put, you know, your granola bars and your water bottle in the pack and bring that in, and you can have some game bags in there. And if you kill a deer, you can easily, uh, you know, put all that meat on the meat shelf and be ready to rock. Um, Jacob, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, it's a cool, nah. cool, cool pack, man. If I if I wasn't a Kafari snob now, then <laughs> I'd probably get it. No, the, the absolute ultimate, I think the ultimate, like, whitetail hunter bag, in my opinion, is like publicly in a whitetail hunter bag, tiered over everything else, comparing on price, quality, everything, and versatility is going to be the Mystery Ranch Pop-Up 28. Yeah. Hands down, there's not another question. I don't care what someone else says, that is it. It's the Mystery Ranch Pop-Up 28. Uh, it's it's fairly well-priced, like right around that 200 Like, you can get them on sale for right around 200 bucks, more like 250 275 full yeah. price. Um, and there's a lot of websites that actually put those on sale quite often. It's a very versatile pack. Got great storage uh, storage compartments and everything in the bag. I want it, It's 28. I guess it's 28 liters. So it's Pop-Up 28. I believe that's right. Um which I don't know how many cubic inches that is, but again, it's not, it's not big at all. Uh, very compact. And it's one of those systems that you don't have a full frame external, uh, frame backpack at all times. Because again, when you wear it and it's in the collapsed mode, I mean, it's literally like wearing like just a regular backpack, like a small yeah. backpack. It's, it's perfect. And then again, if you're trying to carry the bigger loads, you, you put it in what they call load, load hauling, yeah. uh, and you're good to go. But, yeah, that that is the ultimate backpack. So anyone that's looking for a great mobile hunter backpack, whether you're using a tree stand or you're using a saddle, uh, look up the Mystery Ranch Papa 28. You will not be let down at all. Yeah, agreed. Um, kind of I'll touch on Kafaru one more time before we kind of close this thing up. Cause we're Man, shooting. are you sponsored by Kafaru? Uh, no. <laughs> I kind of wish, though. I mean, that would save me a lot of money. No, not for real though. With Kafaru, the reason I went with the frame that I did is because, one, I had actually tried that frame out before. Uh, Josh K. Wood has one. 
and he let me wear it when we did a VHA hike to hunt and kind of walk around the parking lot with it. And I loved it, man. That's when I got that, I was like, yep, I'm buying one of these for sure. And that was a year ago. It took me a year to get it, but I got it. So that just goes to show, man, I ain't rich. I actually have very little money, but you know, if you just budget out and you know, save, save a couple pennies here and there, you can eventually wind up with something cool or expensive, I guess you'd say. Um, but yeah, that Kafaru frame, super, super comfortable. Um, when debating between that one and the Hunter Light frame, I literally strictly went on the the fact of whichever one I thought would be more comfortable. So I thought that the frame I got would be more comfortable, which is, so I bought it. Uh, keeping in mind that you know, yes, I will be mostly whitetail and pig hunting with this, but this fall I'll be using it on an elk hunt. And then over the next few years, you know, I'm sure we'll do elk again, um, mule deer, <laughs> stuff like that. So this, the pack will need to be like stout for that kind of stuff too, which the hunter light frame is as well. But again, for me, it's also more of kind of a comfort factor, which is why I went with that. Cause I'd rather have something that weighs a couple ounces more, but is more comfortable in the long run. But uh, that, that's just, that's kind of my thought process behind this and this fall, the idea is going to be I got a Kafaru pack that can handle anything I'll throw at it. And I got um, my tethered saddle, which is super, super lightweight, uh, easy to use, easy to wear. And I'll be using probably the uh, Bullman approach or silent approach steps again this year. So I'll have that Kafaru pack. And what's probably going to happen is I'm going to have I'm going to have my saddle on. I'm going to have the silent approach steps water and a couple other random things inside of the pack and then i'm gonna have my camera gear like camera arm and all that good stuff and my saddle hunting platform which is probably going to be the ridge runner from out on a limb in the meat shelf of the pack and so that way it'll be very tight super easy to pack almost like it's not even there it's very 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 comfortable and i'll be able to walk in and do my hunt very easily with that kind of system and that's another reason by the way, I got the 22-inch frame, so it doesn't stick above my shoulders, so it's still very compact, but I can still pack stuff with it very easily. So for a whitetail guy, a 22-inch frame is definitely a good choice. Um, but then if I kill something, I can already have my game bags and knives and everything in the pack, so I don't have to make an extra trip back to my truck. So if I'm out there bow hunting, I shoot a deer... I track it, find it. I can just quarter that joker up right there, load it up, and go back to the truck. So I don't have to make multiple trips. I don't have to drag a deer because packing is a thousand times easier than dragging. And I'll argue that until I go to my grave because it is. And uh, um, and then I also don't have to bring a dead deer home and clean it and then go back out somewhere to dump out the bones and guts and everything. So that's just a couple reasons why I do it. Uh, Jacob, you want to kind of close with uh, your thoughts on that yeah i mean uh, definitely gonna try out the kafari bag again this year uh and try to use the nomad 2 for my setup with that but again you know be running the sound approach steps um don't know what saddle i'll be using looks like i might have a couple options so uh we'll, we'll see what that looks flex, like right yeah 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 so we'll definitely get a flex um but also we got the JX3 we're going to try to do some hunting out of, which if I use the JX3, I'm not taking a backpack with me. Um, 
but anyway, and then uh, Sam approach steps uh, until Matt comes out with his sticks. And then we're going to test the sticks out quite a bit, I believe, this season. Try to see how those run. Yeah. Uh, and then platform probably going to be running the podium from out in the limb. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. You know, I always keep a Havilon knife with me. That is by far. We use a Havilon knife for like a, I think there's another company that starts with a T. Uh, Outdoor Edge. No, oh, God, no. No. Not out. <laughs> no. This will start with a T. Thank you very much. But, anyways, um, once you use a Havilon knife, guys, you will not go back to a regular knife again. I don't care. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous. For, again, just really skinning a deer and then breaking it down, it's fantastic. But uh, always keep that on me. Uh, and I always keep game bags with me. Always have game bags. Uh, I, oh, I can't remember the last time. I'm trying to think. Again, trying to not ever do two trips. I mean, the only time I'd ever do two trips is like, again, made a bad shot on a deer and we had to come back later to track it. But if I find that deer, it's coming out with me at that same time. So, oh, yeah. but anyways, just kill, keep the kill kit ready to go and, uh, yeah, keep it ready, ready to rock and ready to roll. Uh, just make sure you shoot straight and uh, hit what you're aiming at. Yeah. But uh, I'll, anyways. I'll, I'll close with uh, my, my final thought is on dragging. I was using, uh, when I killed that, that buck in that doe last year, uh, it was last December, um, I had the that regular field and stream bag, that powder horn, not a frame pack or anything. And I killed that doe. I shot her, which this is a testament to like the saddle and the silent approach step combo is I was climbing up the tree and this doe walked up and she was like feeding towards me. There's three does actually feeding towards me. And I pulled up my bow when I was at the top step. I was trying to hang my ring of steps to start hunting out of. And these things walked into 14 yards and I was able to pull my bow up and get a shot while hanging off of the lineman's belt. So yeah, I turned and shot her. And of course I made a terrible shot because uh, I rushed it and I was in a weird position it was completely my fault, but I did get the shot off and I did kill the deer. We found her late that night. It was raining. We gritted and found her. Uh, I think I shot her at like three. We found her at nine. And it was dark. Didn't have game bags because I was very unorganized. Didn't have my kill kit. But dude, I just, I literally, basically, I just gutted her and then I cut the quarters off with the hair still on them since I didn't have a game bag. And I just hung the quarters on the outside of the bag anywhere that i could hang them and packed her out that way and it was still easier than dragging on this pack with no frame on it and it was like the roughest way i've ever packed out a deer but man it was still way way easier than dragging that joker especially because i killed her in a nasty little draw Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's awesome so yeah well i I hope i got a picture of that i need to find it but yeah i got a picture I think JT took a picture of me where I got this backpack and I got four quarters hanging off of it with the hair still attached and everything. And I had the back straps inside of the pack. But, uh, yep. yeah, I, I think that about covers it, man. I mean, we this is, a, this is the longest podcast we've done in quite a while, so hopefully it answers a lot of questions for people. But if people have more questions about this kind of stuff, which mobile hunters and just kind of our group of people in general typically always have more questions, that's the thing about mobile hunting, dude. Like, there's never an end to the stuff you can do. So, I mean, we could sit here for days, and we would still not 
we would still not find like an absolute answer for something because there's just so many different options. But if somebody has uh, any questions about something we didn't cover, like we kind of did a piss poor job at covering platforms, uh, let us know. We'll probably try and cover it in the future. Yep, exactly. So, uh, hopefully, guys, uh, again, you enjoyed this long podcast. Maybe it, it filled up your week driving to work listening to this episode. But, uh, yeah, we're excited. If you're excited for juice season this uh, fall, make sure you stay tuned. Got a lot of other cool stuff coming out, especially like in some uh, public land hog hunting, which should be pretty fun. So, y'all stay tuned. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right, giving you a heads up here, so go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the... The, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.